welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for this evening or this morning or the afternoon. It's just whenever you listen because, after all, it's your podcast. Um, This is a quick start on the Kickstarter episode. And what we do with a quick start on the Kickstarter episode is that we take somebody who's currently running their Kickstarter campaign, be it at the beginning, be it in the middle, or be it towards the end, and we have a very quick and breezy chat in order to let you know about the campaign so potentially you might chuck it a buck or um, you know throw it a pound depending on on your mood or your country to be perfectly honest. So joining me is a gentleman by the name of Stephen Kendall. So hello Stephen. Hi there. And off to the side and we can talk about him all night, Gary Dickens. Yeah. Sorry, he can't hear he can't, what you're saying. He can't, I could call him anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. We could muck it. We could just call him Gary Dixon all night. <laughs> he'll be so, he'll be on I'll, later though, so uh, <laughs> j- just be warned. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you guys are from uh, Ragnar Brothers, yep, and you currently have a game on Kickstarter which is called the. Darian Apocalypse. That's correct, yes. Um, now, for anyone that's listening to us for the first time, thank you for joining us. Um, the reason that we do this is quite simply, there's not enough podcasts out there about board games, especially ones from Scotland, because apparently there's only two podcasts from Scotland. There's us, and there's the Unlucky Frog Gaming, so if you've checked us out tonight, you might as well give them a check out tonight as well, if you feel like it. They do, they're kind of do stuff that we do, but they're more towards the west coast, kind of Glasgow base, they're quite nice. The other reason that we do this is because we like to get people like Stephen on and Gary on as well to have a chat about their campaign. So, Stephen, you... Ragnar Brothers itself has been going a while, hasn't it? Yes, we, uh, we're up to nearly 30 years now, and... Um we're all virtually retired myself and uh, Philip retired from teaching and Gary is hanging on as a social worker still Um, (laughs) but uh, it's always been a hobby business it's never been anything more than than that and uh, we we produced about 20 games over those years and and when we started doing it uh, not many people were doing that anymore. I mean, it was almost the, the whole hobby was on its knees. And the great thing has been in those 30 years is see board gaming you know, really come back from from very, very dark days when the video games had come in and the first computer games, it completely slaughtered the hobby. Um, and we grew up with Waddington's and, and those sort of games. And, and then we moved on to SPI and board games with um, uh, military-based board games, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but then it all kind of disappeared, and so we started um, looking around for games that just weren't there anymore, and that's why we started designing our own, and, and from there on just jumped in and tried to produce things, and people liked them at first, and uh, we've tried all sorts of manner and means of things as we've invented stuff and, and just carried on doing it. Uh, and of course, Kickstarter um, was our saviour, really. We'd almost given up, because we'd... Um, We'd successfully been the best board game at uh, the Games Expo when that had started off with our game Workshop of the World. I was just, uh-huh. We just couldn't sell it, I mean, because the, the hobby's changed so much in that time. And where in the past people would come to us and look us up and find us, uh, it, that was no longer happening. It was all online, and, and so we, were, we couldn't shift those at all. And so until Kickstarter came in, we had no way to be assured we could actually get even 
half of our money back on what we'd invested. So we would have just, we'd have just packed our bags and said, thank you very much. We've enjoyed it. But Kickstarter has given us a new lease of life. And yeah. I think this is our seventh Kickstarter. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge on Kickstarter. It's changing it all the time on Kickstarter. And if you want to talk about that, can do. But, uh, we, you know, we're here now with this campaign and we're, we're kind of fairly close to getting it, but we need a, we need a bit more help if we can get it. Okay. Okay. Um, what kind of games do you like playing then? I mean, it, I mean, do you, do you make the games that you want to play yourself or do you aim, do you sit down and discuss kind of what you think would be a game that people would be interested in? It's, it's a little bit of both, I suppose. I mean, we've never designed a game that did, we didn't like ourselves and we've never designed anything that didn't really, um, you know, have a theme that we, that we wanted to explore. And I think that's, that's been probably the biggest characteristic is that somehow or other we want a game that in some way tells a story. Uh, so one of the games we did in recent times on Kickstarter was DR Congo. I mean, who makes a game about the D, DR Congo, the Democratic Republic of Congo? I mean, it's a horrible, horrible subject. But, uh, we, I'd read a book about it and I was just fascinated by the, you know, the potential of that country to become a, a you know, a an economic powerhouse in Africa if they could overcome all the difficulties they've got. And so, you know, just out of that, you just think, well, you know what, we can we can look at this story through through the medium of a game. And, and it's just fascinating doing it that way. So I think that's always what's driven us, is not so much trying to think about a game we'd like to play, but a theme we want to explore and then and then see where it takes us. And it's taken us into lots of different styles of games. So we have big games and we have card games and we have small kind of medium games. Some of them are a bit more popular than others. And some of them are, you know, quite esoteric and, and limited really to the, to the gaming market. You know, the high end of the game, I say high end, but then, you know, the more complicated Euro gaming end of stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where we've gone. We've gone with what we want to do because it, it's a hobby. It's not, it's, we don't have to make money out of it, but we like to, you know, We'd, we'd like to uh, have a little bit of change at the end of it, sort of thing. We don't be sort of too far out of pocket. Yeah, I mean, you seem to be, you seem to be kind of like the little engine that could, because you're doing all these different kind of genres of games. You've got barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, yeah. You know that funded it. Um, it funded it four, th- you know, four thousand pounds. Um, you've then, got, as you said, you've got the. Um, You've got the Congo game that seemed to have gone on and, and went well above the well above the target as well. Yeah, no, that's done well. Um, you know, um, and you don't. You've got the the um, steampunk donkey. Yeah, that's right, steam donkey. <laughs> yeah, Ste- yeah. Stephen, Stephen, what what I need to know? What's the steam? What's the steam donkey about? Steam donkey. Well, that, I mean, that was an idea that I, I just love going to. Um, Victorian seaside resorts. Uh, I'd been to the Isle of Man, and, and if you've ever been to Douglas, it's it's stuck in a in a something of a time warp around the sixties, anyway, in one sense. But a lot of the the, the great things in Douglas are um, are the Victorian theatres and the Victorian pier and uh, all sorts of really kind of quirky old things there. And and I just thought, you know, that's a great theme for a game, you know, building a Victorian seaside resort. But we started off with a board, and we had all sorts of stuff, and eventually just realise it could be done as a, as a set of cards, two sets of cards, and um, building a seaside resort uh, by attracting visitors to different things in the seaside resort, and then the visitors generate more visitors, and you can get cards down. It's a, a little bit of touch of, if you know the game San Juan, it's a little, it's a little bit reminiscent of that. Yeah. The cards are paying for more things to happen, and so it circles around. 
it's been extremely popular. We sold out, I'll tell you, here's that, we sold out DR Congo very quickly. We sold out Steam, uh, Steam Donkey even quicker. Um, uh, that's been taken on by a Russian company, and Russia's in the, the news at the, at the moment, obviously, it's World Cup tomorrow. But they, we did some trading with their company there, and they've, they've taken that game on, and they took on Barking, and uh, they're doing very mm-hmm. well with it over there. So that's the way, I, I, you know, our business has been run, really. We've designed something that sells. You know, up to a thousand copies is what we're aiming to do, and then um, hopefully somebody likes it and takes it on again from there. Because I mean, um, you there's not you don't you're not doing like the big huge kind of box games. Do you do you kind of look at the guys that are I guess not at your side of the you know the timeline and think you know these young guys that are coming mm. in and try to go with the big box games and. Right. How, how that... big do you want to be? I mean, like a scythe type, big, so, yeah. yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I, we when we when we started, it's funny enough. One of the things we started doing straight away was we actually wanted a big board on the table. So a lot of our games have got as big a board as most people, not quite as big a scythe, but the actual yeah. spread of the game it can be you know quite significant on the table. In fact. Uh, We've had to scale down uh, Darren Apocalypse a bit because it's actually too big on the table. Uh, we couldn't demo it even. We couldn't get enough um, of the charts on the table. So we've, we've kind of just uh, sharpened that up quite a bit. Um, but generally, they're, they're, there's a lot in the box when we produce a game. <laughs> we, we don't... They're not very light games. You know, some of the boxes you pick up and, it, you know, you, you've bought a lot of good solid air in there. But in ours, it's pretty packed full of uh, components. Um, so it is... You know, it's as big as most games, um, what we produce. Mm-hmm. So our card games, obviously, are different again. But uh, even our card games, you know, you get uh, you get quite a lot in the box, really. Because that's what we want to have. You know, we're not happy to sort of just sell something that's too fluffy and just, I guess, you know, I don't want to be too critical, but just made to make the best return as quickly as possible. Um, mm-hmm. We have to spend, you know, we spend quite a lot. So if you produce a thousand copies of a game... Um, it doesn't come out very cheap, you know. They, they, it costs quite a bit. Even going to China and doing it, running through there, uh, yeah. it, you know, you, you don't have much. You don't make much money. You certainly don't make hard. In fact, really, we don't make any money. If we sell it to a distributor, we don't make any profit at all on a game. That is, yeah. they just basically help move some stock for us. Uh, if we can make anything, it's on the Kickstarter helps make a little bit, but obviously we work very hard to get that up and running and doing all the stuff around that. Uh, and then if we get any direct sales, that's that's good. And then we can occasionally sell to individual retailers and we come off a little bit better with that. But, um, I mean, like I was saying earlier, that the market's changed so much. When we first began, because the games were in short supply, really, we could go to ooh, a dozen, 20 retailers in the country and, and be hopeful to get good sales off them. But these days, they, they just buy from the central distributor. Um, yeah. uh, and that sort of being a small fish in the in the pond now, it, it ain't quite so easy in one respect. But then Kickstarter makes you... You know, reach a bigger pond, I guess. So, this, you know, you just got to keep going and and trying to make something happen. Do you think it's still strange being involved in the um, <clears throat> the industry for so for as long as you have that you can't walk into like a Tesco's or an ASDA or <laughs> even a Toys or even a Toys R Us, mm. and there isn't there isn't like a real. There isn't what I would call a board game section. Yeah, I agree. I totally. Agree. I think it's. I think as far as I think as far as you get, um, I've seen. I've seen Monopoly Gamer. Yeah. 
And I think that's the only one which I've seen kind of cross between where people in board game groups have you said you should try Monopoly game. I'm not playing Monopoly. Monopoly's rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, but it's the only one I've seen that's kind of ended up in the supermarkets. It, well, Obviously, supermarkets definitely. I mean, but it, Waterstones, for example, would be the the best example. Yeah. Somewhere has got quite close. They've they've taken Hive. And they take Lucador yeah. and things like that. And but if you yeah, go to got Sheriff of Nottingham, and they've also got um, Osprey Osprey Games. Yes, um, yes. Escape from Castle Cold. It's so yeah. I've seen that. And yeah, as they well. do. They, and they, yeah. and what I found with Waterstones, but I don't, I don't go in regularly. But you'll find for one period of time that they've got quite a nice area. It looks really good. And then suddenly it's reduced down, and <laughs> you know you're alongside. Um, kind of gifts and things you know kind of giveaway <laughs> gifts and you kind of think oh yeah. they're just trying to move that stock on again now i think that that sort of sense of a permanent place in the high street is sadly lacking it, it um yeah and it's been that way in this country for a long time but i went to france uh and i was shopping around in it was in dieppe because my in-laws were living over there at the time and i was amazed in their local supermarket you had things like lost cities carcass on they were just sitting there on the shelves like you know quite normally people come yeah. along and buy that and you don't think of france as being a kind of gaming uh you know center in the same way you do germany germany it, germany maybe yeah, yeah but, i would expect it but, but not i mean guess france no but, exactly um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've seen it at Waterstones, as I say, as you, you go into like all the toy shops and I'm like, I'm sitting there, I'm looking at the 15th version of kind of Monopoly. Yeah, exactly. Or the, yeah. One, the game the game with the dog where you squeeze, you squeeze the pump and the pretend poo comes oh, out Oh yeah, that's bum. lovely, isn't it? <laughs> and I'm just like going, it's like if I would uh-huh. stick... I'd put Dixit in there. I'd let yeah, the yeah. kids have Dixit. Yeah. Why aren't why are why aren't the shelves full of King Domino and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah. Why you know, why isn't there like t- you know, Tumble Tree or you know, even things like I don't know, kids would go to they would go crazy if they could see something like Mice and Mystics. It's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, what do you do? You're a little mouse, you're running about, you're getting into adventures, yeah. you're fighting spiders and stuff like that. And for some reason it's kind of and I hear about you you getting board games in places like in America and Target and Walmart, and they're saying, yeah, well, we, you know, you just go in and Target's got a sale. It's kind of, you know, I managed to pick up X, Y, and Z yeah. kind of game yeah, from yeah. Target because they had it on a sale. And I'm walking about in the in the 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 shops in in the UK, and I'm like, unless I'm going to a specialist board game outlet who are restricted for space, so can't have that much cardboard. Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. you're almost like um, kind of forced online is there stuff that you're seeing nowadays which you're kind of like is still kind of like going it's still kind of i guess getting you excited kind of blowing your mind making you think that's an incredible idea that they've kind of taken to the table i mean do you guys still do you guys still get together and partake oh, in yeah. the hobby yourself yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? yeah. i mean we're very fortunate in having um people who collect games rather more than we do. We do have a good collection of games each. Um, But because we spend so much time designing, and I guess that's what that's an exciting hobby for us, and I think that's a growing hobby for a lot of people, by the way, that design in itself is like a a, a counter hobby almost to to playing games, really. Um, Mm -hmm. But it does absorb huge amounts of time designing games. But no, we play every week, and we have done for 20 years or so on a Thursday evening, uh, and we have a a different section of people that either come to us or we go to them. And some of those people are really serious collectors. So they go to Essen and, uh, you know, they'll they get a dozen, 20 games or something. And, and we work through what they like and, and mm. work with them. So 
Yeah, I think we're fairly well up to pace with things. You know, we we don't tend to miss any of the things that are in the you know in the kind of heavier Euro end of things. Uh, we wouldn't be looking at everything that comes out. I haven't played um, Exploding Kitten yet, for example. So, you know, we're not going <laughs> to we don't run around trying to find that. But we do play we play love letters and. Um, uh, you know that we, we're quite happy to go quite a range. Gary's uh, daughter plays quite a lot of, um, uh, you know, just I, w- I was going to say fluffy, but you know what I mean, just lighter games yeah. that are quite yeah. quite quick yeah. and uh, and that sort of thing. But now we we're always looking for the the great games. I guess that's what it is, really. The games that you you know you play more than two or three times that you kind of go back to again and again and again. The, the one most recent years that stands out, I think, has been Solkin. We we think that's brilliant the, the original yes. i don't uh i don't go much on the expansions we've not had a real go at them but we don't feel we need to because it just it just grips us every time the way that game works not just because of the uh the big cogs in it but it's just it's because the cogs give you that sense of massive forward planning and timing it's just it's just terrific so yeah, it's not like a deck of cards where you're thinking, well, I can measure the time by how many's left to draw on the deck. You've no, got it's a right massive it. series of cogs. Yeah. That, you know, well, this is moving round, and the crystal skulls are being That's placed. Right. And there's an awful lot of visual representations of, well, this guy's just built another building. The guy up here, he's climbing up the dog, the, yeah, the yeah. god yeah, yeah. favoritism track. I'm deciding whether or not I'm going to get wood or food in this thing because I know that we're going to be feeding our guys in the next round, and I'm probably going to lose about four people if I don't kind of play my cards right so yeah yeah, I had the pleasure of playing Zolkin with a gentleman who took part in actual tournaments oh right yeah yes yeah and uh, which I'd never heard of but um, he he had the the patience and the grace to take um, myself and uh, uh, and Colin through kind of teaching us how to play this game yeah. and it was very very elegant and it was one of those it was the example of a great euro was that looking at the board you looked at it and went somebody's eating a bag of crayons and they've just basically <laughs> thrown up on the board because there's spaces and blocks and yeah, colors right, yeah, kind yeah. of everywhere and then but then when it all worked together it was kind of it's, very it's absolutely very, brilliant, very kind it? of elegant it's and, it, and it's it is unusual in that respect and the thing is is because it is so unusual it stands out in that respect because the the thing is we we do like lots and lots of games we play an awful lot but we also mm. play a lot of games that without without being the same that you kind of feel you're doing the same thing and it kind of merges into one as time goes on uh, yeah. which game is which because we don't play in a huge amount of times you know two or three times at most yeah, and yeah. so when we do that and we play we and we do a little um post um game session where we do a little video now we do it's called what's not to like which we have a few people look at not many many but we like doing it because it it really pinpoints what we're looking for in a game because it helps us then think what are we trying to create when we create a game and and, mm-hmm. and one of the things i for quite a few weeks i kind of ran around in, in the thing was saying, you know, is this a great game? Well, it's a too vague a concept. That's I dropped that eventually. But in a way, that's what we are looking for. That you kind of things that really, you know, make something into one of those games that you think, wow, this is just this has got such good replay value because it has such originality and because your decision making is so uh, not only interesting but it's different each time you play. You're not going through mm. the same storyline over and over again. 
Um, so it's that's... very, very subjective, isn't it? Yeah. Board games. I mean, there are people who. It's strange because I think there are people who are willing to die on particular hills. Yes. <laughs> in terms of things like terraform, you know, terraforming. Yeah, games, yeah, yeah. It's one of these games that I've played and I've just went. I was expecting something else to what I've played, and I didn't get on with it. <laughs> right, it was yeah. just one of these games that I kind of felt. I've got other games in my bag I would have rather played. Yes. And I think it was the way that we played it. And we've had, we've had this discussion on the show yeah, yeah. before about, you know, how the, how it came out. And then there's been other games which have just completely enthralled me, like Letters from Whitechapel, right. with the tension and the chasing and everything yes, like that. Yes. It's been fantastic. But the, the reviews on board games seem to be usually relatively quite positive. It's very rare that I've heard... Somebody just <laughs> you just see them running through and going, "This is rubbish!" Yeah, I think that's right. And then right, throwing yeah. it, throwing it against the wall. Yeah. I still think it's a bit, I think it's because it is, you know, very, very subjective. You know, one man's, I guess, one man's scythe will be another guy's kind of yeah. zolkin kind of thing, yeah. which is, you know, I think that's right. Of, and I think the thing mm-hmm. is with them, uh, with these things, is that you know, you go to board game geek and you do get people, rev- you know, giving it a one or a two, and they've got, you know, got relatively good reasons to doing it but I suppose that overall I, I, the, the problem I have with the board game geek sort of rating system is that eventually everything ends up in you know a, a decent game ends up at 7 <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know and if it's not so good it's about 6.5 or 6 you know it kind of not much differentiation at all because you're quite right it all smudges out but yeah. uh, I think I think it's not difficult to design a game uh, and I, I think you know Children can design games fairly easily. Uh, they do all the time, don't they? Of I mean, if you give, a, yeah. you give a kid a box of Lego and a dice, yeah. and went away for a couple of hours, he'd find yeah, some. He or she would find some way of making it, making right. that work. Wouldn't yeah, it? and and it, so therefore, as long as the game kind of works and you don't have any huge sort of uh, minefield in it where the, the game collapses, somebody out there will kind of find that is okay and, and they'll go with it. But it's how you notch it up into being. Um, you know, something that really grips you in some way and makes you want to go back to that game again and again and again. Uh, and, and, and at the same time as saying that, that's another strange thing that's happened with the hobby. Actually, people don't want to go back to the same game over and over again, generally, because most people want to play new games and play something different and have another yeah. experience. And that's a great yeah. thing. I mean, it's, if we all read, um, well, Lord of the Rings over and over again. We have read it a few times, but, but you know, the thing is, I don't, I don't do that anymore. I'd rather read a new book and find out some new ideas and, you know, move on with my thinking. And I think games have moved on like that, which is terrific, because I think it yeah. brings games to being more like books, more like CDs, more like films. Um, we're not, we're not just Monopoly over and over again. Yeah, I guess the only thing is though is that the price seems to be creeping up on cardboard itself. Yes, and it's not. It it's not unusual to see a kind of a, a what you would call maybe a big box, yeah, um, plastic miniatures game to be creeping over the hundred dollars into about one hundred and twenty-five dollars yeah. worth. Yeah. Or it will be one hundred and ten dollars, and the super deluxe version will be one hundred and twenty dollars, yeah. which is. Well, that's you know playing that once or twice, you got to think the kind of the the value the value for money kind of side of things. De- well, definitely, definitely, and mm. I, I think the, the other side of that is that 
people are bringing out things that cost £20, but there's not much in the box for £20 either. Not only not in terms of components, but actually in terms of game. And it's still only a, you know, a one or two plays and it's not really gripping you. So I think the challenge is, as it, I'm sure it's the same with all these other things I've said, like books or like CDs or DVDs, is that if you want to be successful, uh, the market will the market will make that happen. You know, it will tease out those yeah. things that are not so good, and those companies are not producing good quality at good prices, uh, mm. and and will uh, other people go to the wall? Uh, we might be amongst those, but <laughs> it's not our job. It's not so, <laughs> we're not in such. A, I know. <laughs> I mean, unless you must be kind of the other side, where you're saying you are in this situation where, I guess, this doesn't kind of have to go anywhere it can continue to be a hobby oh, yeah, if you're yeah. just starting out in your career you kind of like I need to build on this when do I get my big game some people will be wondering where their, where their breaks are because let's face it a lot of kickstarters they'll make the game it'll be a successful game and it'll fund but it doesn't give them the ability to go ahead and run a whole number of um, print runs no. so that they can then push it to distribution and then I mean I think what you're what you were talking we spoke about before in the show is the ability to create a tale for a game Yeah. so you are the guy like Osprey that ends up with your games in, um, in Waterstones you know you've got that distribution channel and then you've just got a, dis- you know, a distributor that is Printing, you know, demanding yeah. copies that they can print off and kind of send it, kind of send it on. Yeah. Um, as usual, um, though, what we generally do in these type of episodes is we talk for like twenty five minutes with absolutely nothing to do <laughs> with the reason <laughs> that you're here. But um, I'm interested in I'm interested in two things: um, finding out, obviously, who did you know more about Darian apocalypse but obviously finding out who did that rather awful scottish accent oh, well, on the video. i can i can hand over to him right now because <laughs> why wasn't gary taken over take over this is, <laughs> gary this, this is his moment ask yeah, him that question again and off he goes yeah yeah well, i've taken on the mantle richard um i heard the scottish accent that you did on that video <laughs> yes it was it was done for comic effect uh, was it? <laughs> <laughs> I thought uh, afterwards uh, I thought it sounded a bit more like Ian Paisley actually. I just I can't even comment on. I just kind of listened to it and I was like, "You're going to attempt. You're going to let people try and do. A, you've got to try and do a Scottish accent when you play this game." And I just imagined you sitting there with your cup of tea and your little pinky pointing in the air. <laughs> That's right. And then saying, I'm just about to do a Scottish accent, and going, alright, you better play this game in a Scottish accent if you've got a Scottish accent. Perhaps he does, but... No, don't. That's not how they talk either. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, No, we can go back to Stephen, because no, I'm... I'm (laughs) Um, Do you want to tell us a bit about Darien and how it works and... And the mechanics behind it. I mean, who came up with the idea? Was it something that yourself and and Stephen came up with, and Phil came up with? Was it a joint thing? Well, it, or it always starts off with one one person. And uh, Darian was uh, Steve's. He read a book um, about the Darian expedition because uh, it's fairly well, uh, not not very well known at all. Um, no. And uh, he was sort of fascinated by it you know this this huge effort uh, to try and establish a trading uh, uh, 
uh, outpost in um, the Panama area uh, to rival, um, you know, England and Spain, etc. Um, you know, at the end of the 17th century. Um, and, and it bankrupted Scotland and probably led to the Act of Union uh, with England just a few years later because Scotland just sank so much of its own money into it. Um, uh, and it, it was a, you know, a fascinating sort of story. Um, and so he, he started talking about it with us and, uh, and then he, he said, well, I think, you know, we ought to do a game on it, basically, and he, off he off he went. And then Phil and I chip in uh, in game testing sessions and um, point out when he's gone off on, you know, too too much of a, a beaten track. And um, uh, and we all try and pull it together. That's one of our strengths, in a way, that there's three of us to to sort of knock ideas around. I think a lot of solo designers find that's difficult you know and uh, they've only got it in their own head um, uh, and they you, you can get very obsessed with things and, and find it very hard to change things in designs yeah um, yeah whereas we, we, we we're very open to sort of constructive criticism from each other and we, and we change things quite a lot I mean some of our games have taken years to, to finally get to a point where we think yes this is pretty much finished now um, and uh, and Darren probably took took best part of a year still um uh because we we try to make a game we're proud of you know and uh, and uh, um this one's probably our first foray into more of a worker placement uh, idea in, in that um you're using your settlers to explore uh the darien peninsula um uncover different sorts of terrain with different sort of resources you're sh- trying to ship those resources back to scotland sell them, recruit more settlers, um, come back out again uh, and gradually expand your colony. Um, but at the same time, you're faced with the um, the things that the actual settlers were faced with, you know, famine, uh, pestilence, mm-hmm. um, yeah. disease, war, death. Um, you know, because the Spanish were not keen on the Scots uh, trying to sort of muscle in on their sort of territory. Um, and the local... Um, uh, native population um, although they were initially quite receptive to them I think uh, we're still swayed by the Spanish and the Spanish you know persuaded them to sort of turn against the Scots as well uh, and so they faced great adversity and, uh, and and tragedy in the end Okay so how do you I mean how do you go about playing it what would I do when you know once I've got the box opened up and I am about to play my turn, how would you go about kind of playing the game? Well, you, you can play it solo, or you can play it up to four players, and you can choose to either right. play it cooperatively uh, with all all the players playing against the horsemen, which is which are which is the sort of famine, war, death, pestilence idea, trying to beat them, uh, beat their mm-hmm. score, or you can play it competitively. So you've still got the horsemen, but the horsemen are sort of trying to um, destroy all of you, uh, and it's who does uh, best amongst each individual player uh, compared to the horseman. Um, so you choose before you start whether you're going to be cooperative or you're going to be competitive. Um, and then each player has a player board, uh, which is their side of the uh, the Darien Peninsula. Um, and you've got a, a, an action array board. Uh, so there's various actions like sort of um, uh, embarking the ship, uh, loading the ship, um, moving the settlers once they get there, uh, taking resources, trading, building, 
coming back to Scotland and, and doing company business to sort of sell mm-hmm. your goods um, and generate income. Um, and th- so there's also uh, the nice idea is that uh, the apocalypse cards are turned over. So it'll tell you where the horsemen are, are active this turn in which in which um, worlds, either mine or yours or, or whoever else's. Um, yeah. And it will tell you, if I'm the, the lead player, it will tell me how many actions I've got. So I might have six actions and everybody else will maybe have two or three actions depending on the card so if i do an action of to uh, load the ships other people can choose to copy that action they use one of their actions to load their ships as well then i might choose to move the ship out and i will do that for everybody nobody else has to copy that one so the ships go out to the uh, darien uh, and then we might move the scots onto darien and so everybody else will probably choose to do that as well so they'll have used two actions up i'll have used three by this point and so we'll all explore with our scots um and then we'll see what we turned up and then i might choose to build with the resources that i've discovered and then other people will choose they've only got one action left now remember i've got still got Mm -hmm. three um Mm -hmm. they may choose not to build um so i may build and then i may trade and then they may choose to trade um and then i may if i've got enough left i may choose to bring the ships home with whatever goods i've i've, I've created um so the turns progress around the players with uh, e- each time a different apocalypse card is turned over so each time the horsemen are in different worlds uh and the lead player has a certain number of actions and the other players have their number and then they copy mm-hmm. or not as they, as it goes on so mm-hmm. um you play through a series of turns the horsemen will be scoring points for their presence if we can't get rid of them because there's ways to get rid of the horsemen in the game uh, and we mm-hmm. will score points for having built buildings uh, so we're trying to establish our colony um by building the various buildings and and the buildings allow us to to generate income um so it, it it's sort of more of a euro game than we've ever done before in many respects um which is, which is something for us did you kind of went went? Oh no! Yeah. If, um... <laughs> That's right. What, what have we done? <laughs> what have we done? Um, now I, I was. Oh, I, this may be a Scottish game. I like Euro games, and and, and no matter what the yeah. theme, I, I I do enjoy Euros because <coughs> I like uh, creating engines in games and and feeling I'm achieving something and making decisions mm. about what I'm going to do. Uh, and you do certainly have to do that in this game. You have to make decisions, uh, and it can be finely balanced uh often sometimes they work out sometimes they don't but that's what games are about isn't it you know taking chances sometimes uh, you don't want a game that's so predictable that everything you do is going to come to fruition and it's just plod 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 oh who's got the most points uh you want you know you can get catastrophes in darien uh but they don't necessarily wipe you out the game um they might just hold you back for a while um and so you never feel you're totally out of the game as well we hate games where someone can just be so demolished that they've got no chance and their interest in the game yeah. diminishes and that spoils it for other players as well because you, yeah. you want everybody to have a good social occasion yeah you're kind of just otherwise you're kind of just going through the motions basically which is never which is never good what i like about what i like about this and is the the, the interactivity between players because there's nothing worse and i was just actually speaking about this the other night um with um isaac childress from uh um, we did Gloomhaven, oh, yeah, yeah, and he was his newest game is like a city building type game, but he was saying it's the interactivity, and we were saying, well, you know, things like Power Grid, um, 
you can quite happily even again terraforming mars i don't hate terraforming mars i just didn't get on with it but you can quite happily get on and whether you've got a five-player game a two-player game a four-player game it then you've never really had another player will never have a massive effect on what you're kind yeah you're in your own little silo aren't you yeah yeah and it's only in case of the actions that you take are having an effect on how you point you score points at the kind of the end so there's very little interactivity I like the fact that you have to pay attention to the players copying their actions. Um, yeah, that kind of I mean, interests me. A lot, a lot of Ragnar games have a lot of interaction because that's the sort of games we like. Um, uh-huh. uh, but um, the good good thing about Darien is that um, you know you can you, you, there's no downtime really. You know, I'm doing my go, and you're thinking, am I going to copy him or not? Am I going to save my action uh, for something that he's going to do later? Um, and so that you sort of always watching out what other people are doing and making decisions based on that. And that's the crux mm. of a good game is getting people to feel they're making decisions, um, upon which they either achieve something or they'll fail or they'll only just not make it or whatever. Uh, and you get a sense of building within the game and, uh, uh, uh and moving towards a conclusion. Um, and you're seeing the horsemen, uh, accumulating points and thinking, because you can also pray in in this game. One of the actions is to pray. Uh, in which case, the Scots, who were devout, you know, sort of um, believers, uh, would pray for deliverance from from the pestilence and from war, etc. And so you can yeah. pray in Darien and um, uh, and try to get knock the horseman back. And if even the cooperative game, that's especially an important action. Uh, but even in the cooperative game, if you're particularly inundated uh, by the um, predations of, of the uh, horsemen, you're going to have to pray and you're going to have to try and uh, build a chapel and increase your uh, praying ability, etc. So it's, it's, it's got lots of nice elements to it that um, I'm hoping that people will, will see that um, and, and back us on Kickstarter to get us over the line. Because mm-hmm. you um, you've run this you've run this campaign before. Yeah, we, and, we set and... the title uh, total too high, I think, um, uh, because the game was coming in at two and a half kilograms, uh, and, oh, and the right. shipping costs were just phenomenal. Um, yeah. So we had to set the the target higher because of that, and uh, and it just wasn't going to make it. So we pulled the plug about a week before it ended, um, and now we've as. Uh, Steve, I think, said earlier, we've trimmed the board size and, and, and the array boards, etc. Uh, managed to save quite a lot of cardboard um, and hence weight. So it's coming in at around two kilograms now. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's it's not as much to ship it. So we've set a lower target and we're just yeah. keeping our fingers crossed now because we're nearly there. I've noticed that you've um, you've taken the unusual, not the unusual step, um, but including shipping in the kind of the charges kind of straight away there's not like a um there seems to be a little bit of a trend at the moment where you're paying 40 pound for the base game and then the shipping is to be decided once the yes i don't like the that. campaign kind of ends. i don't like that at all yeah. i want to know how much it's going to cost me um and that's why we've done shipping included so that people know if you're in europe it's going to cost you 40 quid you know, if you're yeah. in the UK, it's going to cost you 35, etc. And that's why the Far East and, and Australia and New Zealand, uh, it's 60 pounds because it's really expensive to send things to New Zealand and Japan, etc. Um, yeah. uh, and, but you know, that's, that's the full amount you're going to pay. You're not going to be asked to pay some extras. Yeah. You know? No, I've heard two, so I mean, I've heard two sides to the argument of it. I've heard, you know, this, the argument where it says, well, um, if, if I pay, if I am charging, say, £50 for a game 
and it's you know it's ten pounds shipping, then the total amount that I get money deducted from Kickstarter's fees for the total amount that I bring in. So therefore, I automatically have to inflate my prices to take into account. You know, if I charge shipping as a separate item, the amount of fees that I'm going to take is going to be less, which is why they charge kind of shipping, yeah, kind of separately. So I've seen, I've seen arguments that skew on the side of the game developer. I've seen arguments that skew on the side of the the customer. I think the I'm neither here nor there because I I guess the only thing is when. <laughs> I guess the only I guess the only time it comes into trouble is if the person that's doing create the creator hasn't done their calculations incorrectly in the first place, and they end up, you know, having to stick twenty five quid on as a shipping charge because they've not done the calculations for the worst case scenario in terms of shipping. If they have reached kind of all their all their stretch goals, but no, at the same time, you know, if you've put there is, I guess there's nothing worse than thinking, well, I've actually I've pledged £50 for this game and then another three months down the line I've got to fork out another £15, which yeah, <laughs> I no. kind of wasn't expected. Yeah, I think that's And then not you're, asking me, you're asking me to kind of... Um, you're asking me to kind of make a decision and, and pay this extra money and give me a deadline and say I've got to do it within a certain time, which, you know, I guess you're kind of taking the the control away but we'll see it's one of these things that'll either become a, a standard or not i know that um some people do it because um the full free shipping thing <laughs> and i see this all the time on uh, places like amazon where um people are encouraged to, to offer free shipping and then include the shipping within the overall price it's not free shipping people, at all <laughs> no well people don't well People don't like it because, again, the fees that they get charged by, like Amazon and eBay, are on the final selling price. So their actual shipping price takes a bit of a hit at the same time. So that's kind of in, kind of interesting as well. I mean, what, one of the things that's different about us is, that unlike a lot of um, game designers and producers, is we're not actually trying to make a lot of money. Um, we're trying to design games and get them out there. Um, we've never made enough money to be able to think, even dream, of stopping our day jobs. Um, and um, we're not we're not trying to rip people off. We just want to produce the game for roughly the cost it, you know, it, it is. Yeah. Um, and we don't want to add extra shipping costs on. We want you to buy a game. You'll know what you're buying. You know what it costs. And hopefully you enjoy playing it. And you give us some positive feedback. We get lots of really nice feedback. Um, hmm. And um, and that's what's enjoyable for us is seeing people play the games. We play them with people. We play them at conventions with people. It's just great. It's a social thing for us. Uh, we're not yeah. we're not profit maximizers. We're we're just trying to not lose money, basically. So we're not yeah. we're not trying to sort of make everything we can. Uh huh. On the I mean, I have seen people that have um, their car their campaign has really taken off surprisingly well, and it wasn't something that they had they had planned for. In fact, a couple of people I've spoken to this year have ended up with kind of six figures in terms of the. The funding that they've mm. had, and they weren't—they weren't kind of the, you know, the Simon Cool Mini or not type of guys. They were just ordinary guys that had a good idea that people kind of got behind and and ended up backing them, and they ended up kind of taking in kind of uh, kind of six figures. It's sometimes it's almost like there's a there's a hype train that people climb aboard on Kickstarter, which has got nothing to do with the game at all. <laughs> the actual end product. It's like people... It's almost like people getting excited for the next kind of... Um, well, okay, the next Star Wars movie. Mm. You know, people... 
losing their minds over the latest kind of Avengers Infinity Wars trailer. <laughs> they're not, <laughs> you know, they're not actually, they're not actually giving an opinion about a finished product that they've got in their hands or they've seen. They're getting excited and and kind of almost pulled along by the excitement of the product itself, which is a strange thing. And I've seen, um, I've seen a lot of people. Um, it's quite funny, but I've seen a lot of people kind of get really involved in a Kickstarter campaign, and then when the if the creators had to come back and say, "I'm sorry, guys, you know, it's just it's going to be like four months late." It's like the normal reaction is, "Eh, it's all right." <laughs> Well, it doesn't matter. I'm really not, you know. I'll get, I'll, I'll get. I know I'll get the game eventually. Well, that's thing, nice. Which that, is kind they of a... trust the person enough. I mean, we, yeah. we, we've never gone over schedule um, with any of our Kickstarter games, which is, you know, it's something we're quite proud of, and we want to maintain that. You know, so we, we rushed Darian out again once we pulled the plug and we changed the um, the, the, the design and the, of the of the board and everything um, mm. in order to stick to that schedule because we'd like to get it out by May next year. Uh, and we okay. still can, um, but um, yeah, I, I really like people who are enthusiastic about you know, and, and you're talking about fan um, sort of uh, sort of the phenomenon of the fan really, you know, whether it's Star yeah. Wars or Marvel, Netflix or whatever, you know, sort of um, these blockbuster type things, uh, and I love it that people are enthusiastic about that, and it's it's great if they can get enthusiastic about games as well because um, yeah. we need to grow the hobby um, because otherwise we will we will just start to diminish again as more and more sort of uh, 3D virtual reality type stuff starts to become more and more commonplace you know we want the board mm. game the humble board game you know to still be in everybody's homes and uh, play it with their families play it with their friends yeah but I think what it has over the video game um, the video game aspect and even the VR aspect is that it's still very very sociable mm, it's exactly. sitting down in front of a group of friends regardless of what you're playing and whether it's a good game or a bad game, you're always ending up having a, a conversation with your with your buds about what's been happening. You know, uh, yeah, and you dis- during, you, during the week. you dissect it after you've finished, and you know maybe have a bite to eat or something and a drink, uh, and you just have a good chinwag about it and, and really enjoy yourselves. And that's it, it's better than going to the pub. You know, it's uh, it's <laughs> it's uh, it's cheaper than going to the pub as well. You know, you buy a game Absolutely. for forty quid and play it six or seven times. You've Got your money's worth, haven't you? You can't get a good night out for forty quid nowadays. That's right. You can't get a taxi home for forty quid nowadays. Let's face it. You know, once you if you stay in and you have like a you know a couple of um, meals from the local Chinese restaurant and a time you have a couple of beers, you're looking fifty quid down the down the barrel of a gun quite easily, aren't you? Well, uh, <laughs> to be perfect, uh, this may say something about your eating habits, Richard. But uh, uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm talking to a group of friends. I'm not talking about oh, me going right, and spending right. £40 on a Chinese, my goodness. <laughs> um, in a nutshell, because I am conscious of the time, because there has been um, you know, technical issues tonight caused by the fact that Windows 10 decides it needs to spend 45 minutes updating its software. Thanks, Microsoft. Um, in a nutshell, what would you? how would you sum up you know, what's the elevator pitch for, for Darien Apocalypse? Well, in a nutshell, I suppose, it's a game that um, you won't 
regret playing, I think, because you'll get a lot out of it. It's a game where you're going to make decisions, you might make mistakes, but you'll get successes as well. And if you're playing cooperatively, you're just going to share those successes and those uh, those highs and those lows. Uh, and there's a great sense of, it sounds pathetic, but there's a great sense of achievement when you knock the horseman back. And if you eventually see, it's like a doom clock in some games where, you know, like um, Forbidden... Uh, you know the Matt Leacock games where you, you you're working against a, a sort of doom bar coming down. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, the horsemen yeah. are a bit like that, and you see them getting stronger and stronger. And you think, guys, we've got to pull together. Even if we're playing competitive, we've got to pull together, otherwise we're all going to suffer. Um, so there's a great fen- uh, sense of camaraderie playing the game. It's not just uh, uh, you doing a solo effort. Um, you, you're going to play together, which is which is really nice. Okay. And you can get involved with you if you're in the UK. You can get involved for the grand sum of thirty-five pounds. Exactly, a bargain and a bargain indeed. Um, you you are allowed to buy two if you want. Yeah, well, I've just put a uh, frequently asked question on saying if you if you want to pledge for two, double the pledge value um, and then knock a fiver off uh, and pledge that amount, and we'll know you need two, and we'll send you two. That's pretty cool. Now, if you are in. Um, if you're in the EU, it's forty-two pounds. If you're over in the States, it's forty-seven. So that's pretty decent, taking into account the shipping for for America as well. Well, we're, we're subsidising the shipping because we don't want people in America to feel it's too expensive. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, um, you know, as I say, we're not profit maximisers. We just want to produce games and get people playing mm. and not lose money and we won't lose money on it at this rate we're not making a lot of money but we're not losing and we're happy with that excellent excellent um where can people find you guys on the internet if they've listened along tonight and said well um i'm not only interested in finding out more about um Daddy, i'm interested in finding out about the back catalog as well yeah where do you guys where do you guys exist on the kind of the internet interweb nets exactly ragnar brothers all one word dot com are you got a shop on there so people yeah, can pick yeah, up yeah. copies of games as well we, we've sold out a lot of uh, our older titles but we've got some copies of nina and pinter left and barking mm-hmm. up the wrong tree and our our newest game um, backpacks and blisters the second edition uh, which is selling very well in the Lake District, fortunately. Um, <laughs> and it make an ideal Christmas present. Um, there you go. So, yeah, so, go, and, so, go and have a look. So what was that, what was that again, Gary? <laughs> Backpacks and blisters. Uh, Ragnar- and how, how much does it go for? Uh, that's £22.85, including shipping. £22.85, including shipping. And, and that is, uh, yeah, and that's Ragnar Brothers. Is that .com or .co.uk? .com. Dot com ragnarbrothers.com I know you I know you're going to be going on there and buying one Richard I know I can see I, ho- I can tell in your voice <laughs> I'm already on the, in the it's already in the cart <laughs> it's already to go oh good because we'll go down to Lake, Lake District next year oh, wait, no so we'll the Lake District is a fantastic we'll take, place and uh, so we'll take it down that way the board we'll looks fantastic there. in backpacks excellent um do you exist on the internet interwebs yourself, uh, Mr. Dickon? Uh, well, only in as much as uh, you know, I've got a Facebook page, but uh, um, that's it. You know, it's you know, we're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter as at Ragnar Brothers. Steve's at uh-huh. uh, at Steve Kendall. Dot, okay. Uh, no six, I think Steve Kendall six, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're 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 not big social media people, but we we do our best. 
Well, what we'll do is we will make sure that all of the links that you give us, including that link to the bargain, um, twenty two eighty five, will be in the show notes, so that we've got um, so we've got notes to show. Yeah, thanks um, very much, Richard. Not a problem at all. Um, <clears throat> this has been fun. I always this is what always happens is I always say, oh, we'll do like twenty minutes, half an hour, just to talk about the game, and then it ends up almost being. A, <laughs> A kind of an <laughs> being a kind of an hour long, um, but um, thank you for um, thank you for coming on the, on no, the show. Even though uh, I only heard half of it, um, it's been very enjoyable. Your half was better. I don't tell Stephen. I won't, I won't tell him. That. I won't tell him. <laughs> just, just tell. If you turn around and say to him just now that uh, I think that his half was the best. If you do that just now, yeah, yeah, I will do. Yeah. Excellent. Um, if you if you want to keep an eye on, talk about you know, and then there'll be an email story about two board game designers having a fight over a comment that was made over a podcast. Yeah, he's got a glass in his hand, so I'll better be careful. <laughs> better be careful. If you want to keep an eye on what we are up to, um, go to Google, search for We're Not Wizards. You will find us on Twitter. You will find us on Facebook. You will find us on um, Instagram. You will find us on YouTube. At Tabletop, uh, we're not Wizards Tabletop podcast. You will find us in all the popular um, podcast places, including Pod, uh, including Podknife and Spreaker and Stitcher and Acast and all these fabulous places. If you like what you've listened to tonight, and I would ask you to not only listen tonight but go and check out Darian Apocalypse because it sounds like you know it's they're UK guys. So let's have a look at what the UK guys are doing, and if you fancy chucking them a buck, then do so if you fancy chucking them a little bit more than even more that's fantastic if you have liked what you've listened tonight do us a favor jump onto apple podcasts and um drop us a subscription because what that means is that every child gets an extra christmas present this year for every subscription that we get i don't know how it happens apple just sorts it out um, if you like us even more than that feel free to drop us a rating or a review and as we say if you are going to give us a review don't give us a 10 because that makes us big headed but don't give us a 1 because that makes us cry give us a 5 because it's in the middle when it's average and we are a little bit average but um, the gentlemen that have not been average tonight is first of all it is a big thank you for coming on to Mr Gary Dickin thank you Gary for coming on no my pleasure and hello, Stephen. Say bye bye, Stephen. Say bye bye, Stephen. <laughs> That's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> um, there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to, um, that was comedy gold. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Gary? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> And the second thing is um, is to say goodbye. Do do I press buttons now and things? No, you don't have to. No, just say goodbye. Oh, bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a bye bye for me to press buttons. You better not be pressing buttons because if we lose it at the end here, oh my goodness! <laughs> don't start pressing buttons. Get Stephen back on. He knew what he was doing. I knew what you were having when you're pressing buttons. You know what happened last time you pressed buttons. I know. We have to start, start again. again. Yeah. <laughs> didn't we so you just leave it alone right? Okay. step away I'm away from the mice Hand, hands in the air <laughs> I want to see those fingers <laughs> um, but it's a goodbye from me 
it's a protracted goodbye for me. Remember, so stay safe, roll sixes. Um, go and check out this game. Just have a look. See what you think. And uh, it's a week to go, so seven days. Um, but until the next time, goodbye.